And it's, it's unfortunate because sure in the short term, you know, I may get a bonus or a raise, but ultimately it's hurting me and my career. Like it's holding me back from my true potential. Welcome to 33 Tangents, a weekly podcast featuring a rotating panel of co-hosts that all work together in the same company, but live in different areas of the world. The discussions cover a wide variety of topics from digital analytics to working remotely to current happenings in business and technology. Our regular day-to-day conversations often go off in various directions, and the goal of this podcast is to share our ideas and find new ways to engage with others. So anyway, uh, Bryant bailed on us today, Damn it. and I told him, I said, at this point, uh, I'm doling out suspension, so he's got several episodes of suspension coming his way after he whined about not being on for a <laughs> uh-huh. while. So what's new in your world? Uh, just hanging out. My son, um, it's good to be tall, I guess, because he's got he's been getting a lot of attention from colleges looking for a tall center back, and so... He's 17 and he's six three-ish. I swear Damn. he's got more more growth in him because he wears a size 15 shoe. Mm-hmm. So, but anyway, waiting for a letter of intent. One of the coaches texted him last week, said that uh, he was going to send a letter of intent over to his top choice school he wants to go to. So, kind of exciting and nice. scary. So that's good. You know, hopefully, you know, I wish him the best. Hope everything goes well. That'll be good for him. I'm I'm freaking out. I went to uh, I went to lunch last week with a friend of mine who has a couple kids in in college. I'm like I'm 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 gonna be honest. I'm freaking out because like this kid has a hard time like making ramen and you know getting his clothes in the in the hamper, let alone figuring out how to wash them. You know, and so I'm like, how is he gonna? He's not gonna be able to survive. Like, He'll learn fast. They somehow figure it out. Yeah. Well, it's like what we talked about the other day, you know, you just got to do it several times and then that's how it becomes habit routine and that's how you become good at it. So he'll learn, you know, I I remember, you know, the, the same thing. Yeah. 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 And I, and I shaved to see if my face wasn't as round anymore because I'm, I'm on a, I'm on a pretty good streak. So I've done, let's see on my step goal, which 10,000 a day, especially when you work a lot and you're on conference calls a lot that I've been trying to walk around on more. Um, but 10,000 a day was super, super hard for me to hit. So I moved my step goal down to something I felt was more achievable to 6,500 a day. Uh, and I'm on a 55 day streak. Nice. Um, and the, and, and the good thing is, and I don't know if you can see it, like most of the days are up near or over 10,000. So that was that, that, that stretch goal was like keeping me down. And now that I made it lower, my step counts higher. So, nice. you know, trying to, trying to be active, eat better, you know, it's all, uh, it's all part of the flow here. No, I mean, that, that, that's great. Um, I've been trying to find little things to do since I haven't been to the gym as routinely as I used to be. Just like right now, our mornings are hectic. So right now it's just going out and running, just get, get some kind of like, you know, activity in. And I'll be honest with you at times, like I find just getting out and doing that every day, 
I feel better than actually going to the gym because yeah. it's a sustained 30 minutes of activity. Yeah. Yeah. I've been doing cy cycling 30 minute sessions, you know, going, I don't know, five to seven miles and it's addictive. And, and I think I was overdoing it a little bit at first because then I, I would be completely sore and hurting, but I still wanted to get back on and go because of like that higher or something like the clarity of bread. It just was, it was almost like a drug. Like it just felt good and you kind of crave it. Yeah. You got the endorphins going. Yeah. Yep. So I'm trying to find the right balance of, of working out and keeping that going, but it's definitely a good thing. And I found from a work perspective, um, I feel way more clarity and focused. Um, and I'm doing some other things as well. Um, and he has been really having me think about how I structure work because um, when's this podcast going out? Because I don't want to give away our our uh, gift secret. Friday, it's going out. Okay, so I'm I, I'm not going to give away our our client gift that we're um, giving to uh, clients that come to our dinner at Summit, but it has to do with how I've been structuring my my work day um, and adding that and the physical activity. And I just feel way more productive. So it's good. It's good. Good. That, that's awesome. Um, and I think that gives me my perfect segue into <laughs> what we were talking about today. Um, so right now I have a tentatively, you know, titled. Wait, as, you wait, know, wait, wait, by the way, is my head cut off? Cause I feel like I'm a whole foot lower than you. No, it's not. It's just okay. your, 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 your camera is centered higher than mine. I got it. There you go. Do like that. All right. All right. Yeah. Now we're even. Okay, cool. Um, Sorry. Didn't want to no, go off your, your segue. Um, so I've got it tentatively titled, you know, being busy, procrastination and being reactionary. So, you know, what, what you're talking about there and we, we've, I, I, this is different from what we've talked about before in the form of intentionality, but what you're talking about is being intentional with the time and making sure that you're active and you're seeing that help give you clarity of mind when it comes to, to work um, versus, you know, and, and, and versus being in a state where you're just constantly reacting to, to the moment, you know, that, that routine as well as the physical activity are helping you be in a more, more proactive state. And, what I was thinking about with this one is, is, and I heard this a few years ago, you know, that being busy, like always having something to do is oftentimes a symptom of, of procrastination. And, you know, you think like procrastination, but you're doing stuff, you're working, you're not just sitting there. People have the stereotypical view of procrastination as someone sitting around and not doing anything instead of doing something. Um, and, and that's why the people don't think they're procrastinating because they're doing things. Um, the problem is, is a lot of times they're trying to fill their to-do list. They're trying to fill their day with stuff so they don't have to tackle the item that they really need to, right? You know, they're not doing the critical things they should be doing. They're just doing work. So of course they run around, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy. Um, and it sounds like and what, what you're talking about, the, the physical activity has allowed you to to really be thoughtful and, and and put some plans around how you want to tackle your day and, and the items with within it um so i want to dig into this in in a in a couple different ways um you know 
how does you know being in this constant reactionary state of impact just a person in general? But then let's also look at it from from our industry perspective. You know, what does this mean specifically for someone who works in the analytics space? Um, because if you think about it, being in a constant reactionary state makes you feel productive in the moment. But what it's actually doing is preventing you from tackling the really important things that that you should be working on or or, or, or um, looking to complete. Yeah, man, I think we can talk about this for for many hours, and uh, we could probably take it a lot of different ways. So I will just start out by saying, um, for me, hold on, I got a cough. There we go. Uh, for me, being productive and creating, and and you know when we think about our model where it's not a measure of hours, it's a measure of output, um, is a is a really interesting space to think about. And as as part of one of the frameworks that I was toying around with at the end of last year and really put into effect this year is that I set out a goal for myself, and I will be brutally honest and let you know what are we midway through February. I haven't hit it once yet. <laughs> and I'll tell you how difficult and challenging this is. But I set a goal to work. And by work, I mean being active, um, act of creating. So, you know, working on an analysis for a client, working on a measurement strategy, um, um, thinking about strategy for for thirty three six, putting together a presentation, doing us like actually work with output. So meetings don't count. Um, you know, sitting around kind of unfocused, going through my inbox unless it's a very structured. I don't count. Uh, I have a goal to work. Do you want to guess how many hours a day my goal to work is? Twenty. Four and a half hours. Okay. Four and a half hours a day. And I have yet to hit that. Oh, so, I'm thinking. I was thinking in a week, so twenty hours within a week. No. So close, yeah. Okay, so I was on. Like for some reason, I, I was. You know, you were saying day, but I was thinking. Yeah. 20, I was 20 thinking hours, in term of week. Twenty hours is a week is 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 a is a good measure. Um, I have yet to hit that goal once, and that isn't to say that I'm not actively, you know, engaged with doing stuff. A lot of my day is spent in meetings or mm -hmm. I may be sitting in front of the computer and kind of, to your point, looking for ways to keep myself busy. So if I'm being reactionary and I'm responding to fires, I don't count that as me doing the work of creating that I need to do. Um, and so I found that when I have really, really good and productive days and I can get around the three hours of work, I can create a tremendous amount and it's so fulfilling. Um, I think I'll eventually get to that four hour mark, but it just goes to show you how difficult it is to have focused work for even a relatively short amount of time. But it also goes to show how much time that we spend to procrastination, to not being focused to, and you know, sure, there's a time for that. We can't be all work all the time, but four hours a day, like if we, we were just focused, that gives us a ton of extra time to to work on things. So, you know, that that is my goal. Um, and I found that when I can block out those procrastination activities and, and really create work, I'm amazed at what I'm able to produce uh, a lot more. And and this has been one of the things we've talked about. We talked about it in uh, an internal meeting we had where I asked everybody to watch. And I'm afraid to ask because I don't think anyone's watched it yet. Uh, the Barclay Marathons. 
um, it's this crazy endurance race uh, over like 36 hours. And you, you, you think about it and you're looking at it like, how can anyone do this? And for many, many years, no one completed it until someone finally completed it. And then it gave everyone the belief that they could do it. I think we're all like that right, to an extent, right? Like we put these artificial boundaries on how much we can create and produce. Um, and so I'm, I'm all over the place and off on a tangent, but um, getting back to, to kind of the point, I think it's about having the right mental map and clarity um, to make sure that we're using our, our time wisely and, and not procrastinating. Um, because it is such a comfortable spot because it feels like, to your point, it feels like we're, we're busy, you know, mm-hmm. but it, it runs so counter to what we hark on all the time. It's like, it's not asses in seats. It's not, you know, how many words a minute you're pounding out. It's like, what are we actually producing and creating? And it doesn't matter if you do that in an hour where you do that in 12 hours, like the quicker you can do it and still maintain your standards of quality, it seems like that's, that's better. But we've been brainwashed to believe it's about, well, I got to make sure it looks like I'm busy in my seat for eight hours a day. That's the measure of success. So what do you think is preventing you from hitting that goal? Uh, it depends on the day. Um, some days it's very meeting heavy. And, um, I think I still have the hours left in the day to do it, but honestly, I'm just drained. You know, after five or six different meetings, I I just don't have anything left. My brain's Um, mush. Yeah. You know, it's hard because there's a lot of context switching. There's a lot, especially in our role where we're looking to be the most active participants in those meetings to drive the conversations. There's no letting off. It's we have to be on the whole time. So it's very draining. So definitely meeting heavy days are, are a big impact. Um, but the other days where I have the time, I think it's just a lack of self-discipline. Uh, you know, I allow myself to like, oh, I'll just kind of read a couple of posts on LinkedIn or Facebook. And then all of a sudden I'm down a rabbit hole and I'm kind of off doing things and I lack mo- motivation. So I'll open up my inbox and maybe open and close the same email five or six times. And, you know, it looks like I'm busy, but not really doing anything and that's on me right and that's where having a structure of and and i don't want to give the gift away because it's really cool but a physical way to help keep focus to to really um focus on creating work over a short period of time i think it's like anything else and i think you and i were having this conversation the other day it's it's muscle memory where you have to do it so much to where it starts to become um it starts to become um a, a habit and, and for me, it's just, again, four hours. And anyone would sit down and probably think, and if they're listening, it's like, what? That's easy. I could sit down and crank out four hours of focus work. And I'm like, I, I, I ask you to try Go try it. You know, just, just map it out for one day and see how difficult it is to actually do that. Um, so this past Monday was, was president's day. So I was hoping to be able to get some work done during the day. And I got, I got a little bit done, you know, we, we were closed, but I took a couple hours just to, to catch up on things that people may label as like clerical things, but actually drive, drive some value that there's a few people that reached out to, to join us for, for an episode. So it's getting back to those, the, the, those folks and, and trying to get some, some meetings scheduled there. But then you know, like when we come back to work yesterday, you know, the, the emails start flying. Right. And it's easy to get sucked into, 
um, just, just, just replying to emails as much as you and I've talked about, you know, I try to answer email in the morning, close out and then answer during the day, or I'm sorry, at the end of the day and work during the day, you still kind of get sucked in because you, you answer one, then you answer another, then another one comes in and next, you know, 55, 65 minutes have gone by and you've done nothing but, but answer emails and the three top things you've put on your list um, haven't been done. So like last night after we put the baby to bed and my wife was watching TV, I, I cranked out a ton of stuff over a period of two hours. It was phenomenal what I was able to, to get done in just those two hours. And the biggest thing, like to your point, you know, try to do it during the day. It's hard when yeah. people are messaging you over Slack, when people are you know sending you emails. And sometimes even if it's closed, you know, you want to go in and check to make sure, did you get a response on this thing? Um, or I have to open email because there's something I saved in there, which I need for this one thing that I'm working on. And next thing you know, I'm looking at the two other items like uh, that, that, uh, that, that come in. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's easy to, to, to get distracted. And then what happens, and we talked to Jen about this on, on an episode is, you know, I, I know a lot of people are like this. She's like this. I'm like this. I think you're like this as well. The minute you see that email come in, your brain starts thinking on that item. And it's like, let me jump on this while I'm still thinking about it. And then the next thing that happens is, is, you know, coming in and solving the, the quest, the, the problem, answering the question, you, know, you get that endorphin hit and it's like, Oh, let me do more of that. And I think that that's probably one of the biggest reasons people get stuck in this reactionary mode is because you, you feel good answering yeah. these questions and solving these problems on the fly. Yeah. And, and, and remind me to come back to that. Cause I want to talk a little bit about how I'm um, structuring my day. And then I want to come back to that. Um, both from a work experience perspective and also what does that mean in our industry and where have we seen that become problematic? Because yeah. um, I do so, want to dig into our industry too, specifically like for, what, what, how does this kind of state impact practitioners and technical in implementers? So yes, we'll definitely come back to that. Yeah, for sure. Um, so to your point, I, I've been trying to get up and sometimes I'm much better than others, but I've been trying to start work around 730 um, because okay. I can, I find between like seven thirty and nine nine thirty, I can get way more done in that two hour block than I can the rest of the day. Um, there's just far too many other commitments and distractions to pull. But if I have that two hour block in the morning where I'm really undistracted, um, not distracted, um, I, I can be very very efficient. And so. Uh, some days it's just harder for me to get up and, and get going, but that's part of the routine as well. I'm trying to exercise early in the morning, do meditation in the morning. Uh, and so I think as I become more, um, deliberate in doing that and I have a bit more self-discipline, I think that will continue to help. Um, but I've also, um, I'm also using the Pomodoro technique and, uh, I, I have a little app on my computer that I use. And for those that are not familiar, it's a, it's kind of a way of, of boxing your time into segments and working deliberately in, in set periods of time uh, and blocking out distractions to do that. And the guy that invented it is a, an Italian that used one of those. I'm sure your in-laws probably have one, like a, a kitchen timer in the shape of a tomato, you know, you turn it. Um, and, and so that's how um, Pomodoro became the, the name uh, of the technique, but it's, and this is where I'm trying to get my four and a half hours of work in a day. Uh, you, you work in 25 minute sprints, uh, and then you take a break, five minute break between sprints. And then in the middle of the day, you get a longer break. 
Uh, but the idea is that for each one of these sprints, you're very deliberate in working on a specific thing. And, and so, you know, for me, my first sprint of the day, I call triage and it's going through my inbox and responding to everything I can or filing it away for later or adding to my to-do list. Uh, it's going through Slack and seeing if there are any critical messages I missed uh, overnight or when I left yesterday. It's, it's kind of just getting ready for the day. Um, in addition to, I plan out the rest of my sprint. So what, what things do I want to accomplish today? Um, I also use a technique where I have this week, this month, this quarter of things I'm working on. So things that get broken down into that small, uh, this week, I look at that list and say, okay, which items on there do I want to tackle today? And I start to plan out my day, which informs my, my sprints. When I'm ready, ready to work on a sprint, the idea is that, okay, let's say a sprint is, uh, I need to build out a dashboard for a client. I'll assign that my sprint and I'll work on it and only that for 25 minutes. And it is incredibly difficult. I don't know if you've ever tried meditation, but when you know you start a meditation practice and they say, okay, just sit there and, and then observe your thoughts. It is one of the most difficult things in the world to do that because your attention immediately, you're pulled a million different places. It's like that when you start to become more deliberate about work, you set this task, say, okay, 25 minutes. I'm not going to check mail. I'm not going to look at my watch, which I just did because the, you know, it just buzzed. I'm not going to, you know, look at Twitter, uh, if the phone ring, like I'm going to ignore all of that. It can wait 25 minutes and I'm going to only build these dashboards for 25 minutes. Start trying to do that and you'll see how incredibly difficult it is to do that. But that's what I'm trying to do. So I'll work on it for 25 minutes. When it's done, I put it away. You know, maybe I'll have another sprint on that same task or maybe I'll move on to another one. Um, it's hard because I haven't made it through my whole list of like 10 cycles that I want to do in a day. <laughs> it's, it just goes to show you how incredibly difficult it is. But even not doing it perfect, to me, it's been a game changer in just being more deliberate in designing my day and how I want to work. Non-reactionary. And the the interesting thing is, and probably not interesting, is that you know, you, you queued this up by talking about how great it feels in the endorphin rush of fixing things that are broken and putting out fires. The, the rush I get from enjoying the process of doing the work is on a level way out of the universe from what the rush is from putting out a fire. Interesting. Um, what kind of response have have you gotten from clients like are there still those that send you the panicked email and then the you know like um try to follow up like you know knowing that you know you're potentially off you know trying to get these bigger items done rarely rarely okay. yeah rarely and i think part of it is um the type of work we do and setting the proper expectations and that isn't to say there isn't um, an emergency um but to be honest, even emergencies, they're not like, I need to drop everything this second, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it's not that level of emergency of, of things that we do. Uh, with that said, I have a midday sprint where I go and re-triage my inbox. So if there are emergencies there, I can address it then. Um, but I think being proactive in communication. So if I come in and I see a, a hot email uh, in the morning uh, and I don't have time to address it or it's going to take longer and maybe I... I use one of my future sprints to do that. I'll message it as part of my triage. Hey, can't get to this right now. I completely understand, you know, how critical this is. I am going to be able to look at it this afternoon. Expect to hear from me tomorrow morning on 
my findings and next steps. I think being proactive helps to resolve a lot of that. Um, but also part of it is just helping organizations heal from that kind of toxic environment as well. Because the reality is, is that most things that we think are critical aren't really as critical as we think they are. So helping organizations put things into proper, um, into the proper context and proper expectations around it, I think is, is, is really important as well. But we have to remember that a lot of these people we are working with are just like us and just like the people we worked with in previous careers, that we have all been incentivized to be the firefighter. And we may have even talked about this on a future episode, um, but prior to us having the big forest fire that, that hit us, um, the year or two prior to that, we had a, a small forest fire that came close to us, found out uh, was a local volunteer firefighter that had set it. Um, there was a lack of fires that fire season, and he just got an enormous rush on being the guy to be first on the scene, the first responder to put out the fire. And so he started creating fires. I have seen that personally in my own career, uh, because when my, my first job out of college, um, the, t the team I was on at one point in time, if you were the first responder, you were the hero, you know, you got the praise, you got the, uh, you got the rewards, you got the promotions. And so it, it, it pushed that, that way of work, right? Whether it was verbally said or not, people took notice and they said, well, I need to be the hero. And it spiraled so badly out of control that we had people on our team that were knowingly injecting bugs into our software so that they could be the ones to find it and fix it. So we have to be really, really careful about what we're incenting. Um, and again, the reality is, is that while it may feel good to be, a, be first on the scene and help in an emergency, we also have to put things in context that if everything's an emergency, we burn out, you know, um, there, there, there's a, a study and I, I read a lot about, um, the amygdala and how chemicals in the body affect with fight or flight. And that, you know, when we were cavemen and out on the savannah, that there were a lot more emergency situations where we truly had to dump these chemicals into our body so we could get away from a predator that was trying to attack us. Uh, we don't have that level of emergency in our day-to-day -day life, yet some of us, myself being one of them, that uh, thermostat is set enormously high. And so every time your body is getting these chemicals dumped in it, you're kind of becoming sensitized. And it starts to, to burn you out, literally burn you out. And, and we see that in work, you know, that people that may be getting that high, just like a drug, they need a bigger and bigger hit. Uh, to get that high to the point where they burn out. And one of two things typically happens. They either get fired or they quit. And neither one of those are good scenarios for anybody, the company or or the employee. And so we have to be really, really careful about that mentality of being a, a firefighter in that sense. And that um, it feels good in the moment. It feels like we're solving really important problems. But if we look on a long enough scale, we don't move things forward because when we're always in emergency mode, we don't have the luxury of standing back and saying, okay, how can we become mature now? Mm -hmm. And you, you started going down the road of where I wanted to go next because we've been talking about how do we get ourselves out of it. And 
I could hear a lot of people talking and saying as, as you were talking that, okay, that's great. This is what you're able to do, but how do I stop those people that are reaching me up and pulling me back down into this? Um, so I, I definitely want, you know, you'd started going down that road. So I definitely want to continue going down that. And this is something where you and I had a bit of a heart to heart a couple times over the last couple of weeks, because we've got, you know, right now we're, we're dealing with a few episodes like that. We've got clients that are very, very reactionary, very emergency based. And, you know, we're trying to find our way with, with each of them to help them understand that you aren't getting where you think you are by constantly answering these, these items or allowing things to be inserted in front of stuff that, 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 that we've planned, you know, so much so like Bryant and I were, 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 were going back and forth on, on Slack today, we've noticed another client is, is is slowly starting to make that. So we've caught it and we're like, we need to, you know, kind of pull them back before we fully go down that road of just, you know, just answering requests and getting back to, to what, what, what we've set. And, you know, we've developed tools internally to, to help illustrate that. And, you know, we're, we're working through, through each of those, but what would be your initial reaction to someone who comes up to you and says, that's great. That's what you're doing to plan your day. And, you know, you own the company. So you're able to, to, to do that. Uh, I've got a boss that is in a completely reactionary state and I've got stakeholders or clients that are in a complete reactionary state. So I need to, to be that way. Like I, none of them will respond well to me pushing back in that manner. Yeah. Well, so so first off, that's kind of why we're there with our clients, right? Um, mm -hmm. Is that if they had it all figured out, they may want to pay us because we're so fun and cool to hang out with, but probably not. Um, but we're there to help fix those those problems for them. And the fact that they're raising their hand and saying, we need help with this, I think is, is fantastic. Um, but to the practitioner or others that are out there saying, well, that's great, but I'm not in a situation where that's feasible, I would say that's, that's kind of nonsense. Um, you know, you do have a, a chance and an ownership to, to make a difference. And so, um, number one, I would say my biggest recommendation, and this is for us working with, with companies and it's for practitioners and other consultants is don't get sucked into the moment. It's so easy to, um, get pulled into that and just become part of the movement. Uh, and that's not what you need personally. And, and honestly, it's not what the company that you're working with needs. Um, if, if you're in a mindset where you can address this a bit more from an informed standpoint, your biggest value is going to be to take a step back from that. And, and that's way easier said than done, because just think about, you know, anytime there's something happening and we can look at news cycles or anything else where there's all this hype and, you know, all this energy, how easy it is to get sucked into that. And then we're mm -hmm. now part of the problem. And so I would just say, first of all, recognizing that it's happening and being able to step back from it and not get pulled into it is, is the first step. The second step really is where it becomes important is operate the way in which you want to operate. And by that, I mean, if, if you truly believe like I do that, that being more deliberate in how you structure your own day is going to make you a more valuable employee, then do that. Regardless of what is happening around you, you still have the opportunity to do that. Now you're right. You may get a lot of pushback. You may have your boss or other departments yelling at you because you're not jumping every time they say there's a fire. 
But what ultimately is going to be the measure of your success is the value that you're creating and the upward trajectory you're creating for yourself and for the company. And if you work for a company that um, values that, they will start to change the way they look at how they define value. And if they don't, get out. It's not a good situation for you to be in anyway. Um, And I know that that, again, may be easier said than done, but one of the things that we've learned is that finding the right fit for you is so critically important. You know, um, once, once you're at a certain level in your career and you make a certain amount of money, finding something that is fulfilling and is healthy for you mentally and physically is far more important than anything else. So if, if you believe that this is the right way and you work in an environment that everything's an emergency and you're scared, try the opposite. And if, if it's valued, then you're going to help change the culture of that company, that team. If it doesn't and they're getting more upset at you, find the door. You know, your, your health, your mental well-being isn't, isn't worth it. Um, there's, there's always something else out there that is, is going to be more supportive of a healthier lifestyle for you. Now, I mean, we, we've gone down the road of like burnout and you know, the, the other adverse effects on, on the individual, you know, if, if we talk about like, I, I want to go back to what, to what you were talking about earlier. Like, um, you know, we, we, we were talking about answering emails and I want to talk about like, how does this impact analytics specifically? So the, the practitioners, the technical implementers, what are things that maybe not as serious as say burnout or serious as just being part of a, a, a bad culture what are some of the ways that this negatively impacts those kinds of people? Well, I would say it, it holds them back from their true potential. Um, it, again, if you're, if you're always in a reactionary firefighting mode, you, you don't have time to think about the future. You don't have time to plan and, and mature. Um, when we have that opportunity to step back and have a little bit of peace of mind, that's where growth happens. And it not only is it bad for the individual, it's bad for the company. And and you can find companies out there where this is a core part of their culture. And, and you can see that they've probably been in the same level of maturity from an analytics perspective for years, right? They mm-hmm. may feel like they're getting a lot done. They may feel really productive because they're constantly running from emergency to emergency but someone from the outside coming in, it's very, very clear. It's like you guys haven't moved your practice forward in the last four years, five years. You need to, you need to address the underlying cultural problem you have here. This isn't a analytics maturity problem. This isn't a having the right people to understand how to use data problem. This is a cultural problem of how you operate, and you're not allowing those people to achieve their individual potentials from a technical perspective, the first thing that comes to mind for me is, um, you know, half-ass or slipshod requirements. You know, you're rushing to get one thing done after the next, you know, to your point, you're not truly thinking through and you're not planning. The thing is, is you're going to do a very weak level of discovery, um, not get all of the information you need. So then you have data collection that doesn't get you everything that you need. But well, you, you got you got it done, right? It's the difference between being short-term focused and long-term focused. Mm-hmm. Uh, because a lot of reactionary work, a lot of 
emergency work is is triage i mean and it's it's understandable if that's your mindset and that truly is the goal that is absolutely the right path but not everything is an emergency you know so think about um think about an emergency room in a hospital if if someone's bleeding out and they have a dislocated ankle as well should we be spending all of our time on the dislocated ankle well no we probably should make sure that we stop the bleeding and then go to the next most critical thing. Um, and so that very much works in, in that environment, but we don't work in emergency rooms, you know? So for, for us to, to take that approach with everything we do keeps us in just the moment, the short term decisions we need to do to stay alive. But once we've done that and we're stabilized, we also now need to balance that out with, what do we need to do long-term to grow and, and mature? And again, if your constant focus is just staying alive, you can't, you just, you just can't do it. Right. And so um, that's where, from where, where we work perspective, if everything is an emergency, the decisions we're making may not be best long-term, but they may be best short-term, right? If it's a, if it's a true emergency, we may put a patch on that implementation. We may roll something out that we wouldn't normally do, but we have to do it because it's going to keep us alive. Again, not all of those situations are true emergencies. So if it's not a true emergency, we don't have to roll out that band-aid because we're not bleeding out. We have the luxury of standing back and saying, okay, what's the best decision to make for long-term sustainability? And the reality is, is that 90 plus percent of what we do should be in that mindset. I'd say less than 10% of the time are we addressing true emergencies where putting a Band-Aid on something, which may not be the best long-term solution, but is needed to survive today is the right path. And maybe 10% is generous. It's probably less than that. Yeah. And, and so from a company perspective, if I'm a VP of marketing, if I'm a CMO, you know, if I'm making investments in marketing technologies and hiring really smart people, one of the things that I should constantly be evaluating is how much time and energy are we putting into emergency decision-making versus long-term sustainability decision-making. And I think that will tell a very, very fascinating story about our ability to mature as an organization and mature as, as individuals. Again, if, if, if that scenario is flipped and 90% of our time is in emergency, there's no way that we could be thinking about sustainability. You know, there's no way that, you know, and if we're being measured on, on that, then that should show. But again, I think most organizations have a perverted way of, of, of looking at it where what, what is actually measured is how busy you look. And that reinforces this um, this kind of emergency triage mode, and it's it's unfortunate because sure in the short term you know I may get a bonus or a raise, but ultimately it's hurting me and my career. Like it's holding me back from my true potential. So wow, the the time has has just flown today. Uh, <laughs> it it has, and I think again I think this is such an interesting topic that we can go on and on about it. But I think we we kind of hit it. It's 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 core that and 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 really this is um applicable across industries you know we we happen to have first-hand knowledge of analytics but i think you could take what we're, we're seeing 
and and where the problems are and how we are, are able to look at things individually and apply it really to any, any industry. It, it, it probably affects everybody. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Like and and since we're in the analytics space, that's why I wanted to make sure we spent you know, some time on what are some of like the, the tangible effects people will feel it, it, you know, by being in this state and allowing others to, to, to be in this state as well. But yeah, like you, you could feel it, you know, you, you could feel it everywhere, you know, yeah. re regardless of, of industry. It's not an industry specific thing, but I think yeah. you know, there's definitely some, some things that happen that, that can be industry specific. Yeah. And I would just say before we, we wrap up that, you know, one thing that I would like to have everybody think about is the concept of delaying gratification. Um, it's, it's such an important concept and this definitely applies here and I'll put a little asterisk on it and come back and talk about it briefly. But I would just ask, you know, unless you are truly in a position where your role is to work the emergency room mm -hmm. um, to start rejecting that crave of the short term hit. And, and start being more comfortable with delaying your gratification for more longer term success. And my asterisk is, and, and I alluded to it earlier uh, in the conversation is, with that said, for me, I have found a tremendous amount of good feeling chemicals in my body of enjoying the process of work. And, and so while the gratification may be delayed of the result, or we may not get that hit of like jumping in and solving an emergency, the high you get from enjoying designing your day and enjoying the process of doing it um, can be so much more fulfilling. So that's all I got. Yeah, I don't have much else. Um, I think we, we covered the, the, the big items I want to touch on and like I mentioned, yeah, the, the time flew. We're already at 40 minutes. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's crazy how, how quickly this one went. No, it's a good conversation. I'm glad. Uh, I don't know what spurred it, but I'm glad you threw it on the agenda. Well, uh, honestly, um, it was one of those ones today. I was struggling to come up with a topic the last couple of days. And then just I thought back to several conversations I've had over, say, the last two to three weeks. And like, this seemed to be a common thread. So I'm like, it's time for a therapy episode. Ah, those are good every once in a while as well. Yeah. So yeah. no, th this was a good one. So, I mean, I, I don't have much more to add. I think we, we, we're now at the point where we're starting to repeat ourselves. So I think we hit uh, yeah. all the important stuff for this week. Awesome. That was good. Yep. Cool. So we'll go ahead and wrap up there and uh, we'll catch everybody later. All right. See ya. See ya. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of 33 Tangents. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate and review the show on your favorite podcast aggregator so others can find us. If you would like to reach us, you can do so by emailing podcast at 33sticks.com or on the web at 33tangents.33sticks.com. 33 Tangents is a production of 33 Sticks, an analytics boutique.